so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. So this morning's reading comes from the book of Colossians uh, from chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 6 through to 15. The, the um, paragraph is entitled, Spiritual Fullness in Christ. So then, just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith that you were taught and overflowing with the thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in the bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands, Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all for our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them, triumphing over them by the cross. So we're going to jump back into our series on Colossians. So we've had our little break for camp, so we're back into it today. So last week, oh, two weeks ago, Nick showed us this first slide about Jesus plus all those things crossed out, nothing. Jesus plus nothing. And that theme continues through chapter two today, which we're going to be looking at further. But what I also thought as I was reading chapter two um, over the last few weeks, it was We live in a world that tells us that plus nothing is not enough. We're constantly bombarded with messages that tell us we need to do more, be more. We need the latest, the newest, the best, the more expensive. We are told that who we are is not enough. And phones are a great example of this. And then there was Pro. If you look up the new iPhone 11 Pro on Apple's website, that's the title you will see. And then there was Pro. It goes on to say that the iPhone 11 Pro is a transformative triple camera system that adds tons of capability without complexity, an unprecedented leap in battery life and a mind-blowing chip that doubles down on machine learning and pushes the boundary of what a smartphone can do. Welcome to the first iPhone powerful enough to be called Pro. But as if that isn't enough, You can choose between an iPhone Pro or for another $150, you can have the iPhone Pro Max. But wait, there's more. For another $250, you can have a 256 gigabyte one. Or for another $350, you can have the 512 gigabyte one. 
But wait, there's more. For another $269, you can have two years of tech support and cover for hardware repair and accidental damage. Suddenly, any other phone just does not sound as appealing. A phone that's just a phone seems very inferior. Any other phone sounds disappointing and less fulfilling. The Colossian church was facing something similar to an iPhone pitch when it came to being Christians. There was this new philosophy that was around that was telling them that the salvation version they had just wasn't quite enough. They were told that accepting Jesus was not enough. Shouldn't they be doing more? Isn't there something extra you need to add on to your faith? Look at this upgrade. You'll feel more satisfied if you do this. Look at this latest bonus feature. You'll be more full of Jesus if you don't eat or touch those things. They were Christians, but was that enough? They had all these old religious practices hanging around. Should they be observing some of them as well? We're going to look through chapter 2 this morning. But there's so much in Colossians that we just cannot get through it all on Sunday mornings. So a great way to get more in deep is through the Bible app again. There's a reading plan on there. If you don't know how to sign up for it, please don't ask me because iPhones that claim to have, um, yeah, be easy to use just doesn't work for me. (laughs) See Nick, see Carl, they'll help you. Um, It's great. There's a space on there where you can actually put in what your thoughts are about the passage that we're reading and share with one another. So it's awesome. We're going to come back to verses 6 and 7 later. But for now, we're going to start at verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human traditions and the elemental spiritual forces of this world than on Christ. We don't know exactly what this new philosophy was. We don't have a name for it. As we read through chapter 2, we can see elements of Judaism in it with circumcision, religious festivals, new moon celebrations and Sabbath days. It also mentions food laws, but food restrictions weren't just a Jewish practice. Other philosophies and religions practiced them too. Further in the chapter, we see mention of false humility and worship of angels and things to avoid, which are hinted at in verse 21, where it says... Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. We aren't told what they were supposed to avoid, but just that someone was telling the people of Colossae that they needed to avoid something. Then in verse 23, it seems this new philosophy also involved restrictions and limitations of the body. In verse 23, it tells us that this new philosophy had self-imposed worship, false false humility and harsh treatment of the body. So even though we don't have a name for this new philosophy, we get a little insight into what it was telling them to do as an alternative to faith or maybe as an add-on or something combined with faith in Christ. The letter to the Colossians doesn't focus on what the philosophy is, but rather focuses on what they already possess and warns them not to be deceived by it. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. The Christians Paul was writing to were very used to having other religions around and other cults around them and being influenced by them and in turn 
influencing the cults and religions around them. At that time, in that part of the world, you were actually seen as very well cultured if you could do that, if you could combine everything together. Now, the Greek way of life was so supreme that when the Roman Empire took over the world, they continued to Hellenise it or make it more Greek. Greek was the common language of the people across all the countries of the Roman Empire. Latin was saved for the legal and important stuff back in Rome. If you could speak Greek and live amongst other customs and combine them with your own, then you were considered to be Hellenised or to be Greek or well-cultured. Colossae is found in Asia Minor, part of modern-day Turkey, and there was a sizeable Jewish community there and had been for a couple of hundred years. Colossae was the home of the cult Cybele, the mother goddess, whose worship involved fertility rites, but also severe self-discipline and sometimes ritual mutilation. Other cults they've found in Colossae are Isis, Serapis, Mithras, Demeter, Helios and others. So there were influences of Greek, Roman, Egyptian gods and others, but also our god, which the Jews and Christians had brought with them to the area. And all those customs were thrown in together and people lived a blend of them. It wasn't just being multicultural with different cultural cultures living alongside one another. It was people living a blend of all of them. But Paul warns them not to be taken captive, to stand apart and to focus on Christ alone. As Christians, the Colossians were to be set apart from all other religions and philosophies and this new one especially, they were to be holy and that means to be set apart for Jesus alone. Paul reminds them in verse 6 to continue to live their lives rooted in Christ and therefore set apart for him. They had gained freedom in Christ and now they were tempted to live a blend of other cults and customs as add-ons to their faith. Paul is concerned about them and this new philosophy and tells them to be on guard and not to be taken captive. Now, the Greek words that have been translated taken captive in this passage don't just mean grabbing your attention or turning your head. It literally means kidnapped. See to it that no one lures you in, kidnaps you, and holds you hostage. Paul was concerned that they would be kidnapped into it. The Colossians, who this letter was written to, were Christians. They knew Christ had come and died for them and had risen from death. And we know this because back in chapter 1, Paul says he's heard of their faith and love and commends them for it and says they are bearing fruit. But all these religious practices were hanging around. They were tempting and appeared legitimate. Paul says in verse 23, such regulations indeed have the appearance of wisdom. The new philosophy was attractive and it had an air of authority. But looking at verse 17, it says that the add-ons or upgrades that this new philosophy were trying to sell were just a shadow. And in verse 18, it says that the people who are trying to sell them these upgrades are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual minds. Jesus is the only way to true salvation. All the religious festivals, all the sacrifices, all the food laws that existed, which are shadows, all these upgrades that the people were trying to sell the Colossians were like trying to get them to take spiritual vitamins to try and correct a spiritual deficiency. They were telling them they had to do more. 
But with Jesus, they needed nothing else. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was the real deal. It was done in full. They didn't need any supplements. Jesus was enough. He goes on to say in verse 19, they've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. The new philosophy was selling stuff that would disconnect them with the head. In trying to upgrade or boost their faith, in trying to gain a more perfect form of salvation, they would actually lose connection with the head, which is Jesus. And by not having Jesus as their head, they would reject him. What they'd gained through the cross, they risked losing by trying to upgrade their salvation because they would lose their focus on Jesus. These verses on ligaments and sinews and how the body grows as God causes it to grow really struck a chord for me, pun intended. For anyone who has ever injured a ligament or a tendon or had one tear, you'll know the pain it causes. My family is very well experienced in this. Just come and ask us what it's like. I don't wear this pretty tape on my ankle for nothing. When ligaments and sinews tear, separation within the body of Christ hurts. Separation of our relationship with Jesus causes suffering. David, Nathan, when he spoke on church camp last week, mentioned it too. He was talking about intimacy with God. And he said that God wants us to be intimate with him. That's what we're designed to do. We're designed to be in relationship with him. And when we lose connection with Christ, it's not a comfortable thing. It's like tearing a ligament or a sinew. Paul says by looking to these upgrades and add-ons, by trying to make them things better, by doing the extra stuff, that the Colossians would disconnect themselves from the body that has Jesus as the head. They wouldn't be able to grow as God would have them grow if they tried to do the things that the new philosophy was telling them to. And if the body can't grow how it's supposed to grow, then there will be suffering. But Paul says, focus on Jesus, he's enough. Holding on to anything other than Jesus as the head will cause the body to disintegrate and perish. Holding fast to Jesus as the head is not restrictive though. It does not disable us in any way. It makes the body grow as it's supposed to grow. It makes the body whole and free to do what it was designed to do because Jesus is enough. Freedom and wholeness happen when we live for Jesus. So how is our world like the world of the Colossians? Well, I'm afraid I can't tell you that the last time I was confronted by the gods Cybele or Isis or Horus or even being around any Jewish customs, I don't ever remember attending any fertility rites or undergoing ritual mutilation, although some of the stupid things I did as a teenager may appear that way. And if you're wondering about my bruises, I haven't been doing it recently either. A doctor had fun playing hide-and-seek with my veins the other day. But we do live in a world that blends and combines lots of things from lots of beliefs. We combine symbols from different religions, combine thoughts and actions, different practices coexisting together. Perhaps you've heard the term global mind, someone who listens and accepts the opinions of others and can adapt to any culture. Does that sound a little more familiar? Yoga began as a Hindu practice and is quite common today. 
although we use it now as an exercise program rather than a religious practice. Feng Shui is a way of aligning spiritual forces in your home. These days, we just use it to make our house look nice. Dream catchers, which many people use to decorate their homes, are a Native American symbol of protection. Most of us will have been to a Chinese restaurant that has a Buddha shrine in the corner. Lots of people know what their star sign is, even if you haven't looked up your horoscope. Most of us are used to this. We're used to living in a world where beliefs live side by side. Now, I'm not saying any of that to condemn anyone or make anyone feel guilty at all, but just to highlight that our world of mixed beliefs is probably not so different from what the Colossian church was living with 2,000 years ago. We still live under that influence of lots of different religions. I remember um, in my late teens, someone decided to do away with all of this and they produced a list of all the restaurants and places that we shouldn't eat at or purchase from because they were owned by either non-Christians or other religions in particular. Now, I was made to feel that I was less of a Christian if I ate at those places or bought those products. My attitude to it was that if I stopped buying things from anyone that was a non-Christian, I wouldn't be able to buy very much at all. But I was made to feel like Jesus was not quite enough and that if I just did those, avoided those places and avoided those products, that I'd be more of a Christian. As humans, we can't seem to help imposing laws on ourselves. All the fad diets are another example of this. Don't eat eggs, they're bad for you. Eat eggs because they're good for you. Amen. Eat more. <laughs> eat more protein. Eat less protein. Don't eat fats. Fats are good to you for you. I don't know about you, but I can't keep, seem to keep up with all of what's meant to be good for me and what isn't. But we can't help but pull, put rules on things. I read a quote recently. It's been attributed to several people, and it says, men fight for freedom. Then we begin to accumulate laws to take it away from them. We want freedom. We fight for freedom, but then we can't help but put laws on it and take that freedom away. We do that, don't we? We want to be doing the right thing, so we add rules to our lives, living life to the fullest by living life at its simplest just does not enter our heads. We have to be doing something, adding to it, doing more to try and get more out of life. But Paul says, focus on Christ because Christ is enough. We can live life to the fullest by living life at its simplest because with Jesus, we need nothing more. Now, faith in Jesus isn't a stationary thing. We do do stuff. It will transform us. Once we believe and walk with him, we're propelled forward into a life of living him and sharing him with others. As we walk with him and we study his word and mature in him, our behaviours will change. But we should be careful not to take the incredible freedom won at the cross and then take that freedom away from ourselves by adding laws to it. We need to walk in the freedom of the cross, not by any human rules we try to add on. At the same time, though, we need to balance our freedom with our influence on others. 1 Corinthians 10 warns us against causing others to stumble in our freedom. We're able to eat and drink and do things, but if it troubles others or it may cause others to sin and stumble, then we stop. Holding on to those things is not worth causing someone else to doubt God.
We should never hold on to something so tightly that it can't be given up for something else, someone else. Live in freedom. Eat, drink and do all you do for the glory of God but also seek the good of others. One difference we have between us and the Colossians is how we rate traditions. In the time of the Colossian church, if something was old and traditional, it was valued. The older it was, the more reliable it must be and therefore you must follow that tradition. Today, we tend to value the new. New, we assume, is better and improved. We today are conditioned to look for the latest, for the newest, for the upgrades. For the but wait, there's more. And we're losing the ability to accept that what we have is already enough. A bowl of vanilla ice cream isn't satisfactory, despite vanilla being the second most expensive spice in the world. Instead, we have to have toppings, sprinkles, a variety of flavours, a couple of different cones to choose from, and so on. Our cars have to have the latest features, and our phones have to have the latest features, and we have to have the latest gadgets. A DVD can't just be the movie, you have to have the bonus features, the deleted scenes and the director's cut. In our house, a phone that just makes phone calls is called a dumb phone, as compared to a smartphone. These days, a dumb phone that only makes phone calls isn't enough. We want the latest smartphone. And sometimes that need flows into our faith in Jesus. Am I doing enough? Am I being enough? Maybe if I did this, I would feel closer to God and feel more fulfilled. Maybe if I gave up eating that, then I'd feel more holy, more saved. We're looking for the extras. We think if we do more and be more, then we will feel more full. Social media and TV and so on emphasise the newest and latest. They show us ads which make us crave material things. They show us visual and superficial beauty to make us dissatisfied with how we look. They appeal to our senses, to our emotions, to our inner cravings. They appeal to what we can see. We can be swept away with feelings of inadequacy, emptiness, envy, hopelessness, because we've been conditioned to want more. And those feelings can flow over into our faith. We can be made to feel like we need to do more. But Paul says Jesus is enough. We need to stay rooted and built up in him. We need nothing else. Nothing else needs to be added on. If we start to see Jesus as weak or unimportant or needing an upgrade, if we feel we have to add to his work on the cross, then we open ourselves up to deception. We open ourselves up to being misled and our eyes will slowly shift away from Jesus. We must stay connected with the head. Our body won't grow the way it's supposed to if we aren't rooted in Jesus. All our good intentions in all the rituals and restrictions lose meaning and lack value if we lose our focus on Jesus. Our passage today opens with verses 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives rooted in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. The Colossians were being told that as you received Christ, continue to live in him. The way you received Jesus is enough. You don't need to add on to your salvation or upgrade it with a new philosophy. 
as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Jesus is enough. Live in him. Be rooted in him and you'll be built up and strengthened in him. The last part of those verses says, overflowing with thankfulness. This is an overflowing thankfulness that comes from what Jesus has done for us, not from anything that we can do for ourselves. It's a joy that overflows regardless of what life throws at us. It's a joy that makes us thankful in every circumstance. I use the image of the new iPhone as something we strive towards because we think Christ isn't enough. But in reality, Christ is better than the best iPhone on the market. We don't lose features by believing in him. We have the ultimate extreme features already. We have the iPhone infinity, the best there will ever be. But wait, there's more. It's free. Jesus paid the price. Verse 13 says, You were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the debt the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Wow. Now that is something to be thankful for. You were dead in your sin. Now you're alive in Christ. Through your faith in Jesus, you've been made alive, not just a shadow or a flimsy version of life, not a virtual reality of it, but real, eternal life. There's no freedom like the freedom of being released from sin. No philosophy, no food restrictions, no religious practice, nothing we can do will ever free us from sin. Only Jesus is enough to do that. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you, to give you life. Jesus paid the price that you could be freed from sin. Believe in him. You need nothing else. We are also told our legal indebtedness has been cancelled. That IOU that you signed with your sin has been taken away and nailed to the cross. We are in debt no more. Jesus paid the price. You're free. You need nothing more. Now that too is something to be thankful for just want to highlight verse 15 at the end of that. Nope. You'll need to do it. (laughs) Having disarmed powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This image of triumph was well known in the Roman world. A general on campaign would collect things as he went through all his battles and skirmishes, hoping that the Senate would award him a triumph when he returned to Rome. He'd collect the best-looking and the fiercest prisoners, the best jewels and art, and then he'd return to Rome. A triumphal parade was quite a spectacular sight. It began on the Campus Martius outside the city of Rome and entered through the city's Porta Triumphalis, the Gate of Triumph, and it wound its way through the city ending at the Temple of Jupiter, and sometimes it would last for days. All of Rome would turn out to watch. 
The spoils of war would be displayed on carts. The prisoners who had been well-fed along the way, so they looked at their best, would be marched along in shackles and make a spectacle of them. More carts would come through with actors acting out scenes from the battles. The general's army would march and the senators as well. And then the triumphing general would come. The general wore a purple toga, stitched with gold and wore laurel leaves on his head, the closest to royalty that anyone could come in the Republic of Rome because only kings wore purple and crowns. And then he would ride in a special chariot drawn by four magnificent horses. That is the image of triumph that Paul is referring to. Jesus triumphed at the cross. All the powers and authorities of this world were disarmed and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. It's a celebration of freedom that Jesus won for you. Jesus did that for you. That triumph is yours. You are in that chariot, riding through that triumphal parade with him. Once you were dead, once you were in debt, now you're alive. Your IOU has been cancelled. Jesus triumphed over all the powers and authorities for you. You need nothing more. Legalistic religions and practices are attractive and they're growing day by day in our modern world. They give people something to do and they make them feel like they're achieving something. They try to make people feel fulfilled and free, but Jesus is enough to fill us. We need nothing more. He's freed us. We need nothing else. Verses 9 and 10 say, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every, every power and authority. The fullness of God lives in Jesus and in him we too have been brought to fullness. Nothing we can add on to our faith will ever fill us. No upgrade or bonus feature will ever make us feel any fuller than being full of Jesus. You can be no fuller and no freer than living in Christ. We aren't selling ourselves short by not purchasing an upgrade because the model we have is already the best that will ever be. I'll say again, we don't lose features by believing in him. We've got the ultimate extreme features already. The infinity model, the one that will last forever. The philosophy that was trying to sell upgrades to the Colossian church seemed great on the surface, but it did not deal with the main issue. And the main issue was that it didn't deal with sin. It couldn't save the Colossians from sin. It had given them something to do, but it wouldn't save them. Only Jesus can do that. There's an old saying that idle hands are the devil's workshop. The idea being that if you're busy, you can't get up to mischief. Having a bunch of stuff to do, like religious festivals and food taboos, gives you something to do. But if you're doing them as an add-on or an upgrade to your faith or to make your faith more real, then this letter tells us that you don't need to. Doing things to remind you of Jesus and to doing things to serve him is one thing. But doing things in the flesh like rituals and observing certain dates on the calendar with the idea that they will keep you from sin or keep you more faithful is setting yourself up for those things to become a religion in themselves and will shift your focus onto them instead of on Jesus. Only Jesus can save us from our sin. 
and Jesus is enough to wholly and completely save us. He is enough. Fill yourselves with him and then all you do will be an outpouring of him. You don't need to fill your hands with things of the flesh to keep yourself out of mischief because your hands are never empty if they're full of Christ. I want to read verses 13 and 14 again so that that sinks in. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it on the cross. You do not need to have more, to do more or to be more. Through Jesus, you've been released from a life held back by the flesh. He's disarmed all the powers and authorities for you. You are enough in Christ. You have enough in Christ. You are never empty if you're full of Christ. There's nothing to prevent us living a full and satisfied life, a joyful, thankful life. Jesus came to release us from a life ruled by the flesh. If we live a life focused on him, with him as our head, will be full and thankful. So now we're going to come back to verses 6 and 7, which is at the beginning of our passage today, but really it's the crucial point for the whole passage. So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. As you receive Jesus is enough. The way you became a Christian is enough. There aren't some conversions that are better than others. So then continue to live in him, stay rooted in him, be strengthened in the faith as you have been taught, overflow with thankfulness because of all you have gained through Jesus. Sometimes we forget that and we slip back into a life bound by rules and add-ons that we've put on ourselves and we're tempted by the things around us. We're human after all. We aren't going to get it right all the time. But that's why Jesus came. He died and rose again for you so that you could triumph with him, so that you can be full with him. By giving our lives to Jesus, we share in his triumph at the cross and we're as full as we can be in him. We don't need any upgrade or add-on. We've been brought to fullness in Jesus. Jesus is enough. He triumphed at the cross. He cancelled our debt, made us alive And he has set us free. Now there's nothing to stop us from living a full and overflowing life with thankfulness because Jesus plus nothing is enough. Jesus plus nothing is enough. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you died for us. I thank you that you rescued us from death in the flesh because of our sin. You nailed our sin and our old life to the cross. You cancelled our debt. But you did more than that, Lord. You rose to life again. You triumphed over death and you tell us that we can share in that triumph. We can stand with you in that victory, Lord, and that victory over all the powers and authorities. Lord, help us to stay rooted in you and to find strength in you. Help us to find our fullness in you and not to fill our lives with things that will distract us from you. Help us to keep you as our head. Help us to know that we are enough if we are rooted in you that we will never be more full than if we're full of you. Lord, if there's anyone here who's struggling, feeling full, struggling with feeling like they are enough, then I pray to hear today that they can be enough 
if they give their hearts fully to you, that they'll never be more satisfied than if they're full of you. Lord, help us to stay focused on you and overflow with thankfulness because of all you did on that cross and in rising again. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in his word, stay in his love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.